Hi, everybody. Welcome to Locked on Grizzlies. My name is Peter Edmiston. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for being part of the Locked on family and the Locked on podcast network. Of course, I've been covering the Grizzlies for almost 15 years now, uh, radio, print, uh, and so on. And I'm now adding podcast form to that. So thank you for uh, being with me here uh, today. We've got uh, a big tank fest Later on tonight, Grizzlies, Hawks. Whoo! Somebody's got to lose it. And that's important. They need to lose it, whoever that team is. Desperate time because it is so tight at the bottom and it is so important to get the pick that you can get the best one possible. A loss tonight would go a long way in helping the Grizzlies do just that. Also, 36 hours away from the trade deadline and... Uh, it's, it's an interesting time. I don't know that the talk is out there the way that people expected at this point. There's no question at this stage that the Grizzlies are, uh, very active, making lots and lots of phone calls, receiving lots and lots of phone calls, but there is a little bit of an impasse that appears to have developed. And I I don't know that it's going to be easily surmounted. That's the problem for, for the Grizzlies and, and Tyreek Evans. You know, obviously, he is more than available. He is out there, could not be more obviously advertised for the Grizzlies in, in terms of making him available. They need to get rid of him. It, it's, it's, it would be impossible to envision him being on the roster on Friday. But how do you do that and get what you want? That is proving to be much more difficult. Some of the names that have emerged uh, more strongly Today, than in uh, the last 36 hours, Boston and Philadelphia in particular seem to have emerged more strongly, but both have significant impediments. If you look at the deal that Philly is likely to do, it would involve, in all likelihood, Jared Bayless. That's, that would be their desire. If they're going to give up a first-round pick, if they're going to find a way to give a pick to the Grizzlies, then they're going to do it by getting off of money. Well, Bayless is uh, owed $9 million this year, no big deal, but it's that next year $8.6 million that he's got that is a problem for the Grizzlies. They do not want to take on future money in these deals. I don't know that a first-round pick is available without taking on that future money. So there's your impasse. What do you do? Would the Sixers be willing to find a way to do the deal with some of their younger players and find some other spot for Jared Bayless. Maybe. Uh, you know, could you do it for you know, Justin Anderson, who at least would be on the books next year, but would be a guy that you potentially could, could use? Um, if you're the Grizzlies, a young guy, m- maybe. You know, could you do it for Furkin Korkmaz, the, the Turkish player who's still on the books uh, and presumably still a, a prospect for you? I mean, again... Maybe could you find a way to you know squeeze the value out of? I mean, they're not going to give up any of their guards, really. Um, so, I, you know, honestly, I I don't know. I don't know what you do at this stage uh, with that group. You're not giving up. Unlikely to give up uh, Trevor Booker again. Amir Johnson uh, not not likely to be part of of this deal uh, with his uh, big expiring deal. So I, I think. Expiring contracts have a lot of value right now and because uh, there's just not that many teams 
that are going to have space, and there are probably a few teams that are looking to open up a little space for uh, free agency or restricted free agency. And in, in doing so, you're going to have to pay the price. Those, those deals are just not out there. So how do you find the, the deal that works with Philly? I think it's, it's pretty tricky uh, unless somebody's willing to move. And uh, I don't see the, the Sixers really being that motivated to go get Tyreek that they're going to come off of, of their need to get rid of some of this money. Same thing is true for Boston, who clearly wants Tyreek Evans as well. But again, you know, if Danny Ainge and all the reporting coming out of Boston this morning is that Danny Ainge is still not interested in coming off of a first-round pick, and they have, you know, several, he's not interested in coming off a first-round pick for Tyreek for the obvious reasons that we've talked about a lot. Well, now you try to find a way to make that deal work, and it's a lot trickier. Do you accept uh, Gershon Yabasele as a as a substitute for a first round pick? Do you accept? I mean, Shemi Ojale is a guy that they've gotten value out of, so I wouldn't think that he'd be available. Daniel Teese, um, is he? Can you find some way to combine these guys? Abdul Nader. They've got interesting young players. Maybe you could talk yourself into thinking that that's a substitute for a first-round pick. Uh, you know that that to me is is seeming more and more likely as a deal rather than actually getting the pick. By all accounts, it is only getting more difficult to get a first-round pick for this deal. Remember what the Pelicans, uh, you know, had to do in order to you know, get that deal done with the Bulls and, and Miritich. You know, they sent their first, but they also sent Omer Ashik's deal, better part of $20 million that he still owed to them. That was part of the gig, and uh, that's how they got you know, rid of their first. And, and the Bulls took it, but they had to take the money too. You're not just getting a free ride on this thing. Now, word out of Milwaukee this morning is that Matthew Delavadova uh, is uh, now going to miss some time in addition to what's happened with Brogdon, which you would think, based on their uh, roster and their desire to try to win now, would make them extremely motivated to potentially do a, a deal involving um, you know, Tyreek Evans. I mean, point guard-wise, it, it makes perfect sense. You know, when, when you've got such a gap there in missing guys that can handle the ball, you know, you, they've got a bunch of different emergency options, but nobody that you would really feel super confident uh, about in terms of, of, of taking on a scoring load and taking on a handling load. Again, that would be you know the opportunity that you've got there, but w- what do you do deal-wise? They've already gone after uh, Tyler Zeller and traded a second-round pick potentially to Brooklyn uh, in that deal, so that limits a little bit of the flexibility that they could do you know, for, for a deal like that. In terms of young players, I don't know that there's anyone, uh, you know, unless you're, if you could somehow sweet talk them into, um, you know, some kind of deal where you buy low on Thon Maker, who's kind of having a little bit of a rough season this year and maybe trying to talk yourself into turning him into something. I mean, he's got a very high upside. I don't think they're really jonesing to get rid of him, but if you could structure a deal uh, that would involve him, then, then that would pique my interest. A little bit, um, you know, DJ Wilson, Sterling Brown, uh, you know, again, I, I, don't, I don't know that you're 
none of these guys to me are are willing to are substitutes for a first round pick. Deals like Denver could potentially offer another team that has reportedly had some interest in Tyreek, where you get Malik Beasley uh, involved, then I, then that's got my attention. Um, when you know even Emmanuel Mudiay, who has been bad and does not seem to mesh well with Mike Malone, has been hurt and has not been effective when he has played. You know, you could talk yourself into that deal. I've put that deal out there a month ago, and I think that would you could at least talk yourself into those guys as a substitute for a first. Uh, or if you're Utah and you could find a way somehow to finagle a Rodney Hood deal, even bearing in mind the restricted free agency aspect of that deal, which would be problematic for the Grizzlies. But again, if you're looking for value for Tyreek, if you're not looking simply to get a couple second-round picks or to just kind of uh, you know, move him for bits and pieces, if you want some actual long-term you know, value for the guy, then I think they're going to have to get creative. I think they're going to have to limit the, the adherence to this philosophy about just getting a first. And if they're really committed to getting a first, if they're really serious about that first-round pick or bust, then you're going to have to take on more money or take on some undesirable contract somehow or another. It just is not going to work the way that they probably envisioned it working a month or so ago. I don't think that's good. that deal is out there anymore. So how do you make up for it? What do you do? Fascinating to watch and to see how this plays out. And I would assume the rumors will continue. And I would think it would, it would continue right all the way up to uh, Thursday. Right, I mean, we're talking like right all the way up to, you know, two o'clock is the actual deadline. I think we'll be, you know, right up to one thirty, one forty-five, even we're coming out after two if they're going to try to squeeze this out. Because the teams, there's a lot of jockeying for position right now, and there's a lot of teams that are going to try to squeeze out uh, every little bit of value that they can before they give up a first-round pick. And the Grizzlies don't want to part with Tyreek for anything less. That means you are going to take that thing right up to the deadline as far as the other players that are concerned I think they're probably everything to me is generated off of Tyreek so you could see in larger deals you could throw in um, James Ennis potentially although I think the Grizzlies would be I mean they're not they're not committed to getting rid of James James Ennis I think they see a future for him and a way to, to bring him back and they he he, he fits the philosophy of, of what they're going to try to build. So I think that would be possible. Obviously, Brandon Wright is is just wide open. If you can find a way to make that deal work, then then go for it. And uh, he would be a make weight if you were taking on a larger contract like a like a Jerry Bayless in, in a deal like that. Um, so he's he's clearly clearly out there. You know, I, I don't I don't get the sense, in spite of what we thought probably two months ago. I, I don't get the sense that there is any Mark Gasol deal even discussed or on the horizon for a lot of different reasons. Uh, I just don't see it. Um, There's not been a lot of appetite for it. And I think in order for it to happen, again, Mark is going to have to specifically agitate for that exit. And thus far, that is not something that he has done. Perhaps in the offseason, depending on how things go, maybe he would start to look at the, the clock and look at his contract and you know, want to try to win a title, and maybe at that point he would uh, ask out, and maybe you could make something work then. But at least right now, that's not happening, and so there isn't any market for him, and he's not out there really to be discussed. Kind of an interesting turn of events. Would not have necessarily thought 
that would have been the case, but here here we are, and uh, I think they're going to ride this thing out uh, with Mark in, in tow. And, you know, Mark's playing better. He's played better over the last two, three weeks, but he's still not playing well enough to help you win too many games. That's the key. That's the key to this thing. You can play him, and he's not winning you a bunch of unnecessary games. Uh, that's an important little uh, aspect to remember when it comes to the necessities of the tank. Plus, you're going to probably have some... You know, Mark doesn't like to sit out, but you're probably going to have to sit him out a few times here and there. That could be an issue for Mark as well. So um, that all inf- informs the decision to trade him or not to trade him. And certainly right now, all indications are that they are not going to trade uh, Mark. Other guys, again, uh, I would think you know any of the expiring guys would be pretty much available. I think the, the sneaky candidate to watch for is Jermichael Green. Uh, talked about it a month or so ago. It is not really working out that well with Jermichael in his contract, whether it's because of his uh, injury or because he's been found out a little bit and teams are playing him differently, whether he's just you know regressed a bit. Uh, I don't know, but he's not played well, and his contract is, uh, you know, he's got one more year on the contract. After that, I don't think his future is in Memphis based on just his timetable and the Grizzlies' timetable. That, again, would make him a candidate if you could find a team that would view him as an asset and you could get off some of that money. Maybe even you know, uh, in, in that deal with Philly, if you could swap him so that it becomes a, a cost-neutral deal, maybe you could consider something like that, although they don't seem to have a lot of need uh, for him. Just some ideas. I, I would think he would be kind of the, the guy that you would look at in, in terms of their... Um, as a as kind of a wild card possibility, nothing happening with Mike Conley, nothing happening with Mark. Uh, the young guys don't think that you'll see anything happening there. So those are pretty much the guys that this thing is uh, is limited to. We'll be very curious to see what the rumor mill will hold over the next uh, few hours, and I'll keep you updated as best I can on Twitter at Peter Edmiston and here on the podcast. Uh, what if anything uh, will change tonight? Also, remember there is a game, and it is a very interesting game uh, with the Grizzlies. And the Hawks, the Hawks who uh, have been a little bit feisty of late. Just ask the Knicks, who saw a uh, very slow-motion, ridiculous play uh, that ended up winning the game. Kent Bazemore hits a three that was, I mean, one of the slowest. Go back and watch that again. One of the slowest rotations uh, in human history, but it was still enough because the Knicks were basically asleep at the switch. Atlanta, technically right now, is your leader in the tank race. At 16 and 37, with a winning percentage of 302, they are just a tiny little bit ahead of Orlando at this stage. And Orlando really messed themselves up with a stunning win last night over Miami. I don't know what in the world they're doing. They don't need to be you know, winning those kinds of games. Uh, Dallas has really come on strong in the tank race and has lost a bunch of games of late. As has Phoenix and Chicago, seven straight losses, uh, including a loss to the Kings. Last night in a game that somebody had to lose, it was Chicago. Chicago has really been uh, uh, tank MVPs over the last two weeks. As you know, once they got rid of Miritich and broke that thing up, it's it's been just open up the trap door and there they go. Uh, they're a bad team, playing like a bad team. That's a problem for the Grizzlies. Grizzlies two and a half back of the Hawks in that tank race. So a win tonight for the Hawks. Ooh, there you go. That's what you need. A win for the Grizzlies. Mm. It takes you out of the mix, puts you back in eighth spot, most likely, um, where you are looking at about a 10% chance of getting a top three pick. Not 
what you want. Got to start losing these games. All right, time to open up the old mailbag. As always, you can send me a question via email, pedmiston at gmail.com. That's pedmiston at gmail.com. I uh, appreciate read all of the mail, and uh, thank you very much for it. And uh, if you send me a good question, I'd love to answer it right here on the pod, as Seth did. Uh, Seth is a uh, longtime listener. Thank you very much, Seth, for listening. He says, I have a question about some Grizz rookies that none of my friends will discuss with me because, well, who cares about the Grizzlies? Ha! You've come to the right place, Seth. This is a small community of people who care deeply about the Grizzlies. Wayne Selden has shown really exciting streaks, says Seth, but struggles with consistency, while Dylan Brooks is more consistent but with less production. Ivan Rabb, on the other hand, already looks like an NBA player, even though he's undersized. Needs some serious work on his defensive footwork and awareness, but seems like he has a higher understanding of the game. Who has a higher ceiling between Selden and Brooks? How good can Rabb be, and how much better could he have been if he would add Zebo as a teacher this year? Their play styles already look similar. Rab seems to have a real nose for the ball and uses a lot of leverage under the rim to out-rebound bigger bodies. Thanks, Peter. Love the podcast. Seth, thank you very much again for listening and for the question. And uh, they're good They're good questions, and they're the ones that the Grizzlies internally are having to debate as we speak because the answers to those questions will determine how they build the team, how high the ceilings for these players are, You know, certainly affects uh, what they're going to do not only in you know trades but potential free agency down the line. Can you plan for these guys to be rotational players? And to me, uh, I still think that right now Selden uh, is higher on my pecking order than Dylan Brooks. Uh, I think both are in the neighborhood of you know seventh, eighth guys on good teams eventually down the line. I think that's the ceiling. But I think Selden still has that opportunity because of his defensive awareness that is come and gone this year, but that's understandable because of the, the nature of the season that he finds himself in and his injury. But the defensive awareness that he showed, the uh, bravery that he showed in, in going after Kawhi last year in the postseason in a very tough spot, and the fact that he can shoot the ball and he can take it off the dribble a little bit, that combination of things could, could lead him to be uh, a starting two down the line if he develops and continues to to get better and more consistent. I think that 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 package of skills is there. The problem for Dylan Brooks I think is, you know, he's athletically pretty limited uh in what he's going to be able to do. I think he's a smart guy, good basketball IQ guy, uh is shown to be a very good shooter, certainly uh, as a catch and shoot, you know, he's very solid you know, particularly from the the corner extended kind of thing, he's he's gone all the way all the way out, basically anywhere right from the elbow extended to the corner. He's going to be pretty solid from there. Um, he's got good IQ, good awareness, but sometimes his body doesn't allow him to make the plays that I think even he'd be able to identify mentally. He just physically can't do it. So to me, um, you know, Brooks is probably the the better IQ guy. But Selden's physical gifts and his increased ability in that regard give him the edge for me as a prospect. But I, I don't think you necessarily have to choose between the two. They can play together, and you know a good team would have guys like that. I think you could slot them in on a good team, and and you know eventually a couple of years if everything goes well, you, you could you could play them in in key minutes and key roles and and, and be okay. As far as Ivan Rab goes, uh, I think it certainly would have helped to have you know Zach Randolph in the mix. 
because it would have allowed him more time to develop. You know, he could have spent a great deal of time down in the G League with the hustle, although he was pretty dominant uh, when he played there. For the most part, he had a little concussion that, that kind of slowed his, his development a bit, but otherwise he's been extremely good. I think you're right to point out that the guy's got a nose for the ball. He he seems to have uh, good offensive awareness, too. He's got some nice moves that he can make. Uh, you know, heck, he started his career out you know, not missing a shot in the NBA for, for a while. So he's he's shooting like 69, 70%, something like that. He, he's he's very good around the basket, got a very nice touch, uh, is a better rebounder than you would think given his body type. He is undersized. He is going to have to develop a game a little bit further away from the basket because he's going to have to play four and fours. You're going to have to defend all the way from the three-point line in. That is something that still is yet to be determined uh, about his ability to do that. But I think he's a very nice prospect and um, – you know, if you look at like the positive things that could happen with Rab down the line, he, he absolutely could could fit in on a number of different teams. He's the he's the very much the type of guy that teams want as potentially what would have been a tweener back in the old days. Now, sort of a four that you know you would think with his body type and the fact that he's not that big, he could go and switch and defend out on the perimeter. You would think that he'd be able to use that to his advantage. So. We'll watch his development closely, but he's got some good ball skills. He's got a good nose around the basket. Not afraid of physicality, in spite of his size, and uh, those are those are things that are that are good. So uh, I'm optimistic about his long term future. Again, we've just talked about the situation with the Grizzlies is tough because all these guys, whether you're talking about Rab, whether you're talking about Brooks, whether you're talking about Selden or any uh, of the other young players that are on the roster, if we use the analogy yesterday on the podcast that it was kind of like you know trying to add up to a dollar. You want your five players on the court to add up to a dollar. And that means if you've got a guy that's a 50-cent piece, then it makes the other spots uh, a lot easier to fill with guys that are nickels and dimes. But if you don't have even a quarter, and that's kind of where the Grizzlies are right now, then you just there's no way you can add up to a dollar. And I think the teams that are winning championships can add up to a dollar. You know, those are the teams that or or more in the case of Golden State with a lot of their 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 rosters. You know, that's you have to do that. And the Grizzlies have nickels and dimes. Will one of them develop into a quarter? Uh, you know, maybe. I would say probably not. So you still have to go and get that guy. You still have to find that guy in the draft or free agency or Someone has to take a quantum leap development-wise. None of the guys that you talked about in, in your question, Seth, are, in my mind, candidates to make that jump. So who could? I don't know if that guy's on the roster. You know, Physically, a guy like Deontay Davis fits the mold if he could just click it mentally. But he's not a guy that, that likes to rebound. You can tell Rab you know, has a little bit of a nose for the ball that, that, that Deontay just doesn't. Deontay is uh, inconsistent effort-wise, but man, physically, when he turns it on, you can see the upside is huge. I just don't know if he's ever going to get there. So for the Grizzlies, that's the equation. How do you get that, that quarter? How do you get those guys to turn from good prospects into really good, potentially great prospects? How do you find those guys? The answer, more often than not, is in the draft.